You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Brett. And I'm Steven. And we are the The Broadway Broadway Husbands. Husbands. We're just your all-American married couple making their living in the arts and pursuing a growing family. On the Broadway Husbands podcast, we offer advice from our ordinary lives under extraordinary circumstances. We are living proof that you can love who you love and love what you do. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss our weekly episodes. And if you really love us, make sure you leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Broadway Broadway Husbands. Husbands. And don't forget to check out the Broadway Podcast Network. We are proud to be members of BPN. For more details, go to bpn.fm backslash husbands. Well, we have a very special guest today. Yes, we do. David Burka. Broadway star, superstar chef, and family man, David (laughs) Burka. Hi, guys. What an intro. I I especially love the sing-songy intros. That makes me feel like I'm back on on the boards. Well, you know, it's the Broadway Podcast Network. We gotta, we gotta serve it. How are you? Where are you? I'm currently in East Hampton. Uh, We bought a farm here a couple of years ago, and uh, we finally just moved into it April. So it was perfect timing. Good timing. We all got COVID. We all got COVID end of March, and we were in (gasps) quarantining in April. So wow, that is perfect timing. Yeah, it is really perfect timing. So. We spent a lot of time, you know, moving in and out and decorating and nesting and harvesting. And it's been it's been fun. Uh, and we're super grateful that we're able to stretch out a little bit uh, in, in, in Long Island. Yeah, yeah that's so yeah. great. I'm, you know, I think, uh, you know, most people know that you started your career on Broadway. Can we go back a little bit and just talk about what your ambition was? to pursue that um because i do want to talk about chefing and your and and where you are now with your food but but was your goal like growing up in michigan and we also have to talk about our mutual friend kate rinders who's also from michigan um but um was your goal and your dream like at that time growing up in michigan just to be on broadway was that always totally and and you'll you'll be surprised that there was a group of us there was something in the water we i was in a children's theater group a professional children's theater group called the peanut butter players and we worked downtown detroit every single weekend and some of the alumni of the peanut butter players are danny gerwin aaron dilly heather dilly Randy Becker, uh, Celia Kinnan-Bolger, Sutton Foster, Hunter Foster. Uh, am I missing? Am I missing anyone? Uh, oh, PJ Powers, who works a lot in Chicago. Mark Tyke works a lot in Chicago. So there was a, a bunch of us that literally just were working as a young young kids, and then a lot of us ended up going to the University of Michigan for musical theater. So that was our thing, and. And as we went to Michigan, I mean, there was no other choice but to move to New York. I mean, we were being trained every single day to get a Broadway show. And within, you know, after graduating three weeks after, you know, getting there with first month's rent paid and uh, lying to be a bartender, which I got promptly fired, I got my first big gig. So it was, it was, you know, that was totally my dream from the moment I was 10 years old till now you know 
Wow. And so your Broadway debut was The Goat or Who is Sylvia? Is that correct? Yeah, we. I had a bunch of things that were... Not, my Broadway debut was The Goat, but I did... Uh, that was supposed to be scheduled to Broadway was Children of Eden with Stephanie Mills and Darius DeHaas. At Paper Mill. At Paper Mill, yeah. Yeah, that wow. was my first... That was my first... I understudied Hunter Foster as the a part of Kane. Um, I was obsessed with that show. I listened to that cast recording so much. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. I was the dancing. I was the dancing unicorn get, that got left off the arc. That was my, that was my big, <laughs> the big role that I had. But it was amazing. I mean, the cast of sixty and all shapes, all sizes, all colors. Kids from from our youngest our youngest kid was six six years old, and our oldest adult was sixty five. So it was it was amazing. It was such yeah, a yeah, cool, and it's like one of those shows. You like why you know nothing ever. You, you kind of hoped that it would, you know, go somewhere and have a bigger, I mean, besides regional productions. I did it in Summerstock, but, you know, I love that score so much. It's a great score. And it, we were all we were all expecting it to move, you know, yeah. and it yeah. didn't happen. I guess we couldn't find a theater big enough because uh, it was a big production, a huge yeah. set and huge, a lot of people. I think it might have been too much money. But listening to Septim, we were on stage all the time. And listening to Stephanie Mills sing that song every single night was incredible. Yeah. So yeah. from there, I went and did the national tour of Beauty and the Beast, first national. So oh. I did that with uh, Aaron Dilly again, Sarah Litzinger, and Sarah, uh, Sarah. Fred. Oh God, what was his name? Who played the Beast? Uh, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then from there, I said, I can't dance in the chorus anymore, so I'm going to go back to school and study theater. And then from there, I got uh, the play about the baby that was in Houston. And then from there, um, Edward cast me in The Goat. Where'd you go to school for drama? Universe. Oh, uh, for uh, I went to William Esper and studied with Bill, Bill Esper. Oh, nice. So I did a, the, the, the two-year program. And, wow. uh, and then from there, it was, you know, just... It sort of just, I was doing a lot of commercials at the time. So I was making my life, making my living doing like national commercials. And I did all the Gap commercials, the, the dancing the Gap commercials. and The, the West Side the, Story the, ones. They did it with like Barrett. The, the hip hop, the country, yeah. all the old navy, the crazy tech vest with RuPaul and all those oh, crazy fun. dance videos. I remember and, those. Like, yeah. So cool. Nuts. And then I was, I was, uh, the face of the army for five years, which was weird. <laughs> I just shaved my head <laughs> commercial in the commercial. Uh, so that, you know, so I was doing a lot of that. And then, you know, Jerry Beaver, a big casting director was saying, would you ever think about auditioning for a play, uh, a new Edward Albee play? And I said, yeah, sure. And so I did it and I booked it. It was wild. Just crazy. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. Was Sally Field in the play when you were in it? Yes. And did you go on with her? Like, how, yes, how did yes, that How did yes. that happen? Tell us about that a little bit. Oh, my God. So it was, I was covering it. And then, uh -huh. uh, uh, I forgot, not Jeffrey Carlson, because I forgot who I, who the guy uh, covered. Oh, my God, so long ago. But uh, he ended up having to have a, go into the uh, tooth thing. So, uh, like a, like a, a root forget. canal or something. A root canal. And, mm -hmm. and so I ended up going on with, uh, it was Bill Irwin and Sally Field. And it was wow. incredible. It was just a dream come true. 
And so that was officially your Broadway debut with Sally. That was Field, officially right? my Broadway debut. That's so cool. That's and I mean, awesome. we still see. I mean, I ended up when I lived in LA, I would do this thing at um, uh, in Ojai, Ojai Playwrights Festival, and she would always be there. So we got to work together, you know, a couple of times after that. And she is just, I mean, I cannot say enough about her. She's the nicest, sweetest, kindest, most amazing, giving actress you could ever think about, ever work with. Uh-huh. She seems it. Um, Okay, so in all of that, when you're like shaving your head and you're doing a West Side Story Gap ad, are you like thinking, I'm going to be a dad one day? Like, had you had a vision of being a family man or was So it's it's crazy. Uh, (laughs) At 24, I met a guy who I fell in love with. He was a writer, producer, like, you know, amazing producer for Columbia Pictures. And um, he... It met me and his surrogate the same day, and he ended up having kids, twins, and I jumped on the bed. I thought this was it. This is my rest of my life. I'm in love. I'm going to get married to this guy. And um, I raised twins, another set of twins who are actually 10 years and seven days apart from my twins. Um, They're 20 now. Uh, (laughs) And so... uh, so I was 24 raising, raising kids, a kid raising kids. So we ended up, it, it didn't end up working out, um, uh, unfortunately, but I still keep in contact with them all the time and they're really super close and they're more like niece and nephew to me. So, so yeah, I, I knew at a young age that kids were in my future. Um, uh, so, uh, and then, and then I had to like distance fr- from it. Like I can't, because I had a boyfriend after him and he wanted to have kids with me. And I was like, no, I'm like the most <laughs> fertile person you ever met at like 25. Uh, so I was like, I can't do it again. So then I ended up, I ended up being Neil. And then, you know, he was more my, my pace. And, uh, and then when my mom died, we realized life's too short and we just have to, we have to go do this. We have to, you know, there's no right time to have a kid. And so we just, you know, started the process. Nice. Wow. Wow. So when, yeah. when, when in there did you decide to go get your culinary degree and pursue? So it was, it was living in LA. Uh, I was living in LA and, you know, when I moved with Neil, you know, I came from, I did gypsy with burned up Peters and Neil and I met, he was doing assassins. We were both doing and uh, with Kate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sam and that's show. when you all met. That's when you and Neil met. That's when, yeah, well, Kate knew Neil. I don't know if you know the story, but I Kate, don't, knew, I don't. Kate knew Neil really well because they hung out a lot when she was doing Into the Woods at the Amundsen in Los Angeles. So they knew each other, and I was buddy-buddy with Kate. We were, you know, joined at the hip, and we were doing everything together. And Neil was doing Cabaret uh, at Studio 54, and then I we were walking on ninth Avenue between 44th and 45th and we ran into each other. And, you know, I was, I knew who he was, but I never was a Doogie Howser fan. And I knew that he was big in theater and I knew he was, you know, it was whatever. I never really thought much of him, you know, just that he was a theater guy and whatever. And so Kate started striking up a conversation with him and I sort of ignored him. I sort of went back and started texting on my phone, not really giving him the time of day. Um, <laughs> that's how you that's how you hooked him you were like i'm not interested that's it like, i totally manipulated him <laughs> that's it <laughs> um 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't give him the time of day. And he, he said, hey, Kate, well done. This guy's, you know, this guy's super hot. And she said, oh, no, David's gay. Totally gay. And then he was like, what? He was like, a, you know, and then I was in a relationship at the time. So he's like a vulture circling. And Kate would call him up at intermission and go, okay, we're going to Angus McIndoe's tonight. Come meet us. So we'd literally, he'd, I'd, everywhere after the show, I would go. And he'd, I'm like, Neil Patrick Harris is stalking me. Completely stalking me. And so we ended up hanging out. And, you know, a friendship became whatever. And my relationship was not going so well. Um, uh, I was dating a, a publicist in LA and he was so busy and were at work, uh, in LA that it was hard for him to get back and forth. So long distance relationships can't really, you know, can't really say much about him. Um, so then we, they I broke up and then Neil and I started dating and that was it. You know, one date turned into a weekend and a weekend turned into going on 17 years. Boom. Wow. Congratulations. Boom. That's yeah. amazing. It's wild. So we moved to LA and I just assumed that I um, would get a pilot. Like, the, yeah, I'm gonna, I just did a promo show. I'm going to get a pilot. No problem. Because I got so, I was so fast out of the gate in Los, in New York that literally show to show to show. And it was, it was nonstop for me. Uh, and I never had an issue, never had, never had to suffer in that um, world. So, you know, it was slow for me. It was really few and far between. Uh, I got a few TV gigs here and there. And then I did this Steven Spielberg show called On the Lot that I thought was a big success and ended up becoming a huge flop. Um, and I just was depressed because I was going in for stuff that I didn't necessarily love. I was going in for these like young, strapping lead guys um, in Los Angeles. And I'm up against all these models. And I'm not that. I'm like this quirky, weird, you know, musical theater, you know, goofy guy and i'm not that young romantic lead guy um i mean i have played that but the, in the soul of my souls that's not who i am so i'd go in for these crappy you know shows that the writing was ridiculous and i was depressed because i didn't want to even go in on them and i wouldn't get them so then my mom ended up getting cancer and dying within 20 days so I was like, what am I going to do? This is not cute. I, I can't be living in LA, being rejected, being in a place that I don't love, that I feel like it's stripping me of everything that I am, that I feel like I can't be authentic. I can't be who I am. What else do I love to do that gets me excited? Um, and so I, I thought, you know, in, in my world of my life, whenever I'm stressed, I would make a homemade stock or try a new recipe or make a cake or whatever. So I really loved cooking. So I thought, you know what, if anything happens, I could just have a skill for my family in the future and be able to cook for my friends. And so I ended up going to culinary school. And then from there, things just started falling from the sky for me, like working with Mario Batali and then Thomas Keller and then Kat Cora asking me to be, you know, her sous chef for Iron Chef America. And I mean, all these crazy things that I didn't even expect. And I ended up opening up a catering company in Los Angeles and it was, you know, catering to the stars. And I did all that crazy stuff. And then, you know, go, going back and forth, I did a few things here and there. And in my heart of hearts, like in the past month or two, I realized like, this is not what I want to be doing. I, it was a real distraction. And, and I realized that cooking has been fun and it's been an awesome vocation and a really great distraction for me, but it's not what I want to do in my heart of hearts. Like I'm an actor. 
You know, I want to be creating. I want to be creating roles and 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 being an emotion and being emotional and 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 affecting people and making people think and making people entertained. So I've done a lot of soul searching lately, but um, so I digress. It's that's how I sort of became uh, to be a chef in the chef chef world. So um, it's been fun, and I always will have it. But I think I've sort of really known now that. I know what I want to do. So I was in LA. I'm, I'm just going to keep on talking. We didn't get yeah, so you didn't know. Yeah, do it. Do it. Keep, yeah, keep, on, yeah, keep going. Riveted. Keep going. Keep going. I was in LA and it was always, you know, after how I met your mother, it was always the goal to come back to New York. I never right. wanted to live life in New York. I'm not a New York. I'm not an LA guy. I just don't, it just doesn't work out with my makeup. You know, I don't, I don't love it there. So we, the kids were three, we moved to LA, moved to New York. Neil was uh, scheduled to do Hedwig. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said, okay, well, with, within, you know, I'm going to say within a year, if I don't get another Broadway show, I'll either have a ki- another kid or just think, you know, keep doing the cooking thing. So right. I'm in the, the audience of, um, a Lion King with my kids, their first Broadway show. And who do I sit? behind daryl roth so daryl produced the goat and she produced play about the baby so she said you know what i think i i said she goes are you back here are you doing this and i said yeah i want to keep acting you know i'm hoping to get a new show and she said i think i have a project for you so she sent me a script uh of it should have been you and she said pick which role you want to do so and so i was like yeah totally um and so i ended up reading the script and i liked the part of brian because he didn't have a song (laughs) (laughs) it was like a straight acting part i was like okay this is super i can coast on this part um but i also thought it was the better part like he had more of the meat of the mm-hmm. of the of the the show and and then i found out that time daily was involved and, Harry and david hyde pierce yeah didn't david, david hyde pierce, pierce directed, directed yeah. it so it had a lot of it had a lot of you know cachet um yeah. and i thought the script was really fun so so i signed on and this was it this was going to be my my entry to broadway again um and within doing it there were a couple of things that happened without going too personal. Well, I probably won't go too personal because that's who I am. And like my life's an open book. Um, so a couple of things, I realized that I had three-year-old kids and Neil's career wasn't going to slow down at all. He was doing the Oscars in LA and that was huge. You know, he was gone for three weeks prepping and all of that. And he's going to keep working and keep working. And of course he is, but I can't ask him to stop. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, getting up with the kids at six, taking them to school, having a full day, getting going, having rehearsal, coming home, dealing with the kids, making dinner, all of that, and like exhausted. Um, and I also had, um, prior to that, I had neck surgery. Um, and I started, uh, I started a codependency with, with pills, like substance abuse, full on substance abuse. Wow. So I was drinking and popping pills and doing a Broadway show and like not healthy. Like what am I And, and a full-time dad. Wow. And a full-time That's... job. So like I had to, I ended up getting a, a nodule on my cords and I had to pull out of the show. Cause I was like, the doctor said, you can, you can either keep doing the show and like make 
to have permanent damage to your voice, or you can like pull out and like chill the fuck out. So then a lot of a lot of that made me sort of really question on what was going on. And I ended up going to AA and I've been I'm almost like five years sober, which is amazing for the best. The best I didn't know that. Thing. That's amazing. The best. You know we're both. Thing. Yeah, we're. You, you know, know we're both sober, sober, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. So Sixteen years. Four, I have fourteen, 14 years. years. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. To you. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, I it's no really. Idea. It's really, and I can't. Um, I can't imagine even going back. Like, I don't see myself ever doing something like that again. Uh-huh. Like, I know you people relapse and stuff, but I mean, I really don't have cravings and stuff either. I don't, my life is too important now. It's too, like with my kids and the the, the whole different dynamic that I think and how I live my life, it's, it's just not, I don't miss it. I really don't miss it. So, yeah. um, so there's been a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of chapters in my life. Yeah, well, you sure have. Well, I think what's interesting uh, in hearing you talk too about your relationship and and even and even as your journey of, you know, coming back to being an actor, or, you know, and, and is it's this idea that we get questions a lot, like what's it like to be in a relationship with someone else in the business? And I, I and I always say, well, we have we both value adventure. You have to value adventure to be with in a relationship with someone in this industry, I think, because you just never know. Yeah. You want to be open. What what do you what do you think like makes your relationship work or what values do you guys have together that make it work? I have to say it's super challenging. I mean, as you guys know, probably and and the competition element is super tough. You it really, it really in the past like couple of months, I've really come to realize like because COVID and all of this happening, um, you really start, you know, thinking about what your life is. And I've made, I've, I've been so codependent on my kids and my husband that I really feel like I've made them first in so many, in so many instances, like Neil first, the kids first. And I don't, I don't take time for myself of making me first. And I think that's the important thing. I need to take care of myself before I take care of anybody. And finally realizing that. I mean, in terms of what values, it's been it's been a rocky road. I mean, Neil works all the time, and that's great. And he's riding this amazing w- a wave. Like he just got done wrapping the Matrix Four, and that was huge. And now he literally got a call five days ago, and now he's in Budapest doing a new movie. <laughs> it's just wow! Like, so <laughs> it's it's the inconsistency is really really hard. So mm-hmm. so to try and find that the the regularity in all of that is so important. The regularity in the kids' schedules, the regularity in like when he comes back, like making sure that every week you and you and him and I have a date night. Like we have to spend one night either if it's one night in in the house and we watch a movie and spend time together or if it's one night out or doing it opposite, like one night in, one night out, you know, but every week having one night a week where you actually spend one-on-one time with each other. That's so important. That's really that's great. so, yeah. so important. Do you guys do that? Well, well I mean, typically probably yes, but uh, in n- this, neither of us are going to Budapest. Yeah. Neither, moment, yeah. So, so we just work together, together, all, together all the time. I mean, <laughs> like it's away. 
<laughs> yeah, we need to take we need to take time away. Like currently, I I am working out of the apartment, so I'll be leaving and I'll be gone for like five hours. So that's a good thing because yeah. without that, I think <laughs> we learned in quarantine. Like when we were first quarantining, we were a lot. fighting a lot. Yeah, well, it's wild. <laughs> either tearing people apart or it's bringing people together. And I this was the first time that Neil and I since like before how i met your mother that we spent every day together it's it was wild and it's it's an adjustment i mean we ended up becoming closer together um just because we realized that it's we'll probably never get that again you know we'll never get this time spent with the kids and and us forced to be and we also decorated like a whole house so that was, that was i don't think we would we'd still be decorating if we if we didn't you know have quarantine but um but it's it, it's been it's been great like you know i'm super happy for him and super proud for him for you know riding these amazing waves that he has um but you know i there is an inkling there is a, a bit of me they're like well when's my turn gonna happen again you know when's it gonna be what's it gonna be for me and i and, and and even my kids are saying you know you seem happier when you're doing you know when you're you know i take a walk and i'm you know have music on and we're walking the dogs and I'm just dancing in the street, right. you know, and no one's around and, and, and I'm seeing more fulfilled that way. Yeah. So. It's going to happen, but it's not happening for anybody really right now. I've got a couple of projects that, you know, that I've been working on Good. that I'm trying to produce as well. So that if anything yeah. it might happen that way, but who knows? I mean, you know, I had like, I've had, one audition every two months like that's not mm -hmm. that's yeah not, yeah, no, yeah. That's not, and then of course like broadway what's gonna happen with broadway who knows oh, God. Know, right and seriously I, and it's like all these actors out of work it's so scary mm -hmm. like you guys are mm -hmm. in houston what the f <laughs> yeah we're in houston um yeah i'm teaching basically full-time which has been a huge gift but yeah i mean our whole worlds have completely shifted. Yeah. And sure. and what's interesting too is we we just matched with the surrogate and we're starting that process. Oh my yeah. gosh, congratulations. But, Thank you. But like who would have thought the pandemic yeah. would have made that? <laughs> like during the pandemic, it's like all working out. I'm like, this is this very so strange. Weird. Yeah, so what, I have a couple of friends that are in the middle of it and it's been a little difficult because they can't visit her. They can't go to the doctor's right. office. They can't. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's really it's wild. wild. I mean, wild. hopefully these vaccines will happen this spring and we'll all start, you know, becoming human again. You know? Yeah. Right now we're waiting for our surrogate to um get her implants and um transfer. Her transfer. Transfer. <laughs> implant. Did I just say implant? <laughs> I meant transfer. Does she and need to she need a boob job? She does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing great. No, no, no. Sorry. Um and um and, you know, we were hoping that it was going to happen this month and it turns out we might have to wait another month. But I, I and I'm, I'm feeling slightly frustrated this morning. I'm just going to be really honest, you know, like a little frustrated because of of everything that's happening in the world. But then like just that I think this has been like such an exciting time for us, too. And I just wonder, like, what advice do you have um, for somebody who's, um, you know, having a child through surrogacy and, um, during the pregnancy, um, element of it, like, how did you, um, remain calm and faithful during the process? Um, 
faithful to each other? No, just that it would, you know, that it's oh, all going to work keep, out. Faith, faith, faith okay, like so. hopeful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know what? It, it happened and it, I, I guess we just trusted the process. You know, I, it's, yeah. it's, I ended up becoming more friendly with the surrogate and Neil was like, this is a business transaction. This is yeah. like, so it, he had a whole different feel on how he felt about the, the, the surrogacy. Um, but I talked to her, you know, every other day, or a couple, yeah. you know, a couple of times a week and was, was pretty friendly with her, but, but, but it ended up, it ended up going pretty smoothly. Did you, you guys, you, is she getting on, are you having an egg donor and a surrogate? Yeah, we already had the embryos made. They're frozen. Oh, great. So you're just yeah. waiting for transfer. That's what you said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, you, you know, it's, you guys should know one day at a time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know, I know. It's just having this moment. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's frustrated. No, and I mean, it's so hard to be, it's so hard to, you know, want it and and want it and want it done and happen but yeah. you know this is a good this is a good lesson for parenting you know you gotta just be patient you know it'll happen and it'll happen when it's supposed to and 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 you'll all be screaming that what did i do why did i have children my life is I remember, over i want <laughs> i remember now what i wanted to ask you and it's you know your your you your relationship your family is a very visible LGBTQ family and um, and I think that uh, many people use your you know when they I think most people in America probably when they envision an LGBTQ family you're one of the people one of the families they think about and having come to New York when you did especially in the industry um, you know I know when I moved to New York there was a lot of you know, you had to be slightly closeted. You couldn't be too out. You know, uh, now it's like you you have to be out, otherwise you're going to get flack. Or you know, like yeah. Um, yeah. And and the evolution of the industry plus the evolution of your life, your marriage, your family. Do you feel pressure, or 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 how do you view the industry? and your relationship and set clear boundaries and, and make sure you don't get sucked into the pressure that you, that perhaps people put on that. Well, we learned early on when we were living in LA and LA is a much different vibe. Like New York's more lax with the industry because there's so many other people that are doing other things. Whereas LA, you're so engrossed in the business and you can't escape the business. Hmm. We learned early on that if you hide the price of your picture goes up. Like if you, if you shield your kids from the paparazzi, then they'll just want it more. Like now there are laws before there weren't laws, but there are laws that you have to blur out the kid's face and stuff. Um, but we learned that if you slowly give people a slow drip of your life, the price of your head will go down. Like it won't matter as much, but I mean, there are times that when the kids were babies that we had, you know, we were driving through red lights trying to get away from paparazzi and, and people hiding out in the bushes. Like a, a dog, a dog of ours bit a paparazzi because he jumped out with a camera and then he ended up suing us saying that his work was done. And like literally it nipped him, you know? Um, but we had to pay this stupid paparazzi off because our dog bit him. 
Um, but mm. like serves them fucking right. Like jumping out of the bushes to try and get photos of our kids. Like mm. that's so sleazy. So, um, so, you know, we ended up like slowly showing and we, and as much as we, I mean, we never asked to be poster people. We're just living our life. Like I, I, I you know, and, and I'm glad that we can be um, out there for people to see that it, it, it's totally great to have a family and two guys are raising kids and these kids are totally normal and they're like any other kids and it's not that much different than, you know, a straight couple. Um, there's a lot more, you know, like fabulous and disco and glitter around our house, but, but, uh, that would have been there anyway, even if you didn't have the kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but it's, you know, in terms of pressure, you know, I, I guess there is like, you know, God forbid anything happened that was like bad, you know, but it would be harder to deal with. Um, so I, I do, there is a sense of like, oh God, if I screw up, then like I had that in my, my, in my, in my back of my mind, like, oh my God, if I relapse, it'll be all over the press. Like that, you know, so there is a bit of pressure, pressure with that. But, but like, like my life's an open book. Like, I mean, the more I give <laughs> out to people, I think the less they care, you know? Right. So, so I, I mean, I just want to, I just want to live a good life and, and raise great children. And, and if that's, you know, if that's hard for people, then fucking, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Yeah. That's beautiful. All right. Well, this, we're going to move into a segment that we do. Oh, we didn't warn you on this. So you're going to get your, we're going to get your honest response. We do a segment we call Spotlight on Love. Spotlight on Love. Where someone has written in uh, either on Instagram or to our website, and they want relationship, family, dating, advice, completely okay. unqualified from, from us and our guest. Um, uh, we, I say that just because we are not licensed in any way to no. give this advice, but we will... <laughs> <laughs> But we will gladly give it. We will opinion. gladly give it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do you want to read it? Yeah, this question isn't necessarily like a love question, but it's from an anonymous follower. It says, I feel like my extended family isn't taking COVID as seriously as I am, but I don't want to be the annoying person in the family who is the party pooper over the holidays. What advice do you have around setting boundaries around COVID during the holiday season? <sighs> it's tough it's tough i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are expecting you know people to come home for the holidays and stuff but i I have to say if if the person is really worried about you know if they're getting on a plane or if they're traveling and they haven't had covid before like we had covid early so i'm like whatever it's fine i I think i'm you know i've got antibodies i'm immune i've got gold in my veins um (laughs) but but um but if they're not comfortable with it, then they're going to have to set a boundary. They're going to have to say, look, I'm going to have to skip a year. If you guys don't take this seriously and everyone's coming from everywhere and they're getting on flights and they're not wearing masks and they're not being safe and they're not washing their hands and they're not taking care of themselves, then I don't want to put myself in that kind of position. You're going to have to just FaceTime me on Christmas morning and say, you know, well, cheers in the morning and, you know, uh, over, over computer. What do you, what do you guys think? 
I think uh, you're right. I, I think I think that it's hard to make that decision because, of course, I think we've all gotten a little lax yeah. with the virus at this yeah, moment. Yeah, it's coming back. Like, it is not cute what's going on right And now. so we're like, well, my friend traveled, you know, two weeks ago, and they were fine, so I can go be with my family. But I think that that's why we're in the situation we're in with the numbers, you know? Yeah, I think the more people travel, the more it's going to just get spread. You know, no. I mean, I just think I, I, I think you're right. I think just really setting clear boundaries and just saying like, you know, I'm not I'm doing this as much for you as it is for me. Like, I'm just not going to come because I know that I don't want to just be another statistic and, and, and risk, you know. Right. And I mean, I mean, if, if that's the case, maybe say, you know, I have to set a set of rules for you guys. If you guys are going to be getting on a plane, I need you guys to be wearing masks and I need to be wearing, well, you have to wear a mask, but right. wear gloves. Face shields, and, and, Face and shields put, gloves. Yeah, whatever, you know, go, you know, yeah. as soon as, you, before you get on the plane, this is a good trick for anything. Spray some Afrin in each, each nostril and then put Neosporin around each nose like inside the nostril because it'll block any sort of, I mean, not for your mouth, but for right. your nose. <laughs> right. But then if you're wearing the mask, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. a great idea. That's a really good idea. So yeah, I mean, I, just, it's a, it's a hard situation because I feel like we've gotten so lax with it. And it's also weird because I'm, we're, we're, here, in we're in Texas. So like, I mean, people are wearing masks and there's obviously people are following the guidelines, but at the same time, I'm, I'm teaching in a school every day face to face where, I mean, I feel are you far enough. Away. I'm teaching ballet. So oh, I feel wow. far are, enough wait, away. Are they wearing masks or are they wearing? Yeah, they're wearing masks. Yeah, they're wearing masks and breathe? the studios are big. How do they breathe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's super hard and especially teaching. So what happens is I'm talking and moving around. So I'm hyper hyperventilating a lot. Um, but you know, so it's an interesting time because we have gone back to some old ways that maybe aren't serving us. But I think we have to remember that nothing's changed. I think it's time to kind of refresh, yeah, especially with the numbers. Yeah, nothing's changed. Refresh right. everything we felt we needed to do in March and April. We need to do that now. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah, boundaries yeah. are good. Boundaries are good. <laughs> well, you are... Seriously, Anna, I mean this. Like, so You are such an inspiration. I, I, I look to to you and your family um as you know your your artistic creative and you you know everything that we that we value like we want to be a healthy family mm -hmm. system who makes their living being creatives and you and you are an example of that every day so thank you for that yeah thank you so well, much thank you and please i mean any any surrogate kid advice you know i might not give the best advice but i've been through it so I have some experience with it. So please let me know if you have anything, questions, any, anytime. Thank you. And we cannot wait to see what comes for you uh, with coming back into the theater. I think you own what you wanted, this, this new chapter. I'm so excited for you and your sobriety journey too. Congratulations. Yeah, you Congratulations. Hey, thank you yeah. so much. You too. Yeah. It's amazing. Thanks, dude. All right. And um, where can people follow you if they don't? Oh, um, uh, I'm David Burka on Twitter and D B Licious D B E L I C I U I O U S D B Licious on Instagram. So, and then DavidBurka.com if you want like 
craft and recipe tips. Yes, <laughs> it's it's the it's the season though. <laughs> no, for sure. I make it's, you know if you need, are looking for a great craft for ho- for the holidays for Thanksgiving, I can show you how to make a mean cornucopia. And you threw a the mean baby cornucopia. It's fantastic. You also <laughs> threw like an amazing baby shower for Kate. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> that, was that was fun. I'm so so well done. All right, when everyone listening, don't forget to love who you love and love what you do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.